What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How are you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. Have you recovered from your Boggy Creek viewing? <laughs> I'd say I'm out of the creek, but maybe into the fire. <laughs> For those who aren't patrons, you missed it. Allison watched her first Bigfoot movie and gave what I felt was a very nice review on the patron show. It was fair, I think. Yeah. No, I really thought it was thoughtful and not in any way judgmental. I think you gave a very fair review. And we're going to continue that on maybe some future patron shows. We're talking about with patrons maybe doing watch parties as one of the patron episodes here and there. Maybe not every month, but occasionally. Mm. One of the patron episodes, we'll just do a watch party or we'll set a time and everybody can get together, probably on Discord, and we can watch a Bigfoot movie or another paranormal movie and sort of have fun and chat and talk back and forth and so forth. On tonight's show, I will be talking with Pratima, and I hope I said her name correctly. She had to teach me more than once how to say her name, who has this really incredible story, very fascinating, of a curse that she believes was put on her family in India. And she kind of tells what happened, how they figured out it was a curse, and how they undid the curse, and so on. 
I thought it was so fascinating. Like you, because of the time difference, you were doing this interview at like between one and three in the morning. And even though I was asleep when it started, I woke up and heard it. And I just listened to the whole thing because it was so fascinating. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic story. And nothing like this we've ever had on the show before. It's yeah, that's the other thing. Like it's... a tr- totally original story. Yeah. I think everybody will really enjoy this one. Absolutely. Before we talk to Pratima, I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. We just dropped our 89th patron episode, I believe, The Legend of Boggy Creek, where Allison did her Boggy Creek review, and then we read some newspaper articles about the actual accounts with the Falk monster that some of the incidents in The Legend of Boggy Creek were based on. We do two full episodes of Strange Familiars every month for our patrons. If you'd like to support the show and get that extra content as well, go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars, and you can check out the different tiers of support there. Once again, thanks to all of our patrons. We could not do Strange Familiars without you. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Okay, let's talk to Pratima. I think I thought I'll give you a little bit of a background of my family and also from where we come. So just to give you an idea of, I guess, our everyday beliefs and just as a context to the story. Yes, please. I am a twin, so I have an identical twin sister. We were both sort of, even today, we are very close as with the twin bond. And we come from a southern part of India and both of us, you know, being very close our household was extremely religious, extremely religious. And to an extent, I almost think superstitious. But it's, again, a very, very funny mixture. I feel like it was, we were so hypocritical in the way we were sort of told to do certain things, but told not to do other things, all under the umbrella of superstition and religion and tradition and how it was done in our family or in you know in our from generations now and i know india is a you know diverse country as far as religion do you mind if i ask which religion that was oh absolutely no we grew up in a hindu sort of household okay um so again you you just hit it on the nail it's so diverse even within hindu there's so many different castes and subcastes and i can't even i mean I, I wouldn't know where to start. But just to keep it, you know, sort of simple and have some logical, I guess, background to the story. We were, in general, the Hindu household. And both my parents extremely God-fearing and religious. So it was all always, we were told that you have to do certain things a certain way. Start your day with sort of prayers and very much. It's not very different from, you know, people going to church or doing certain worshipping ceremonies or rituals sure yeah and so you know it was extreme and but the point is it was one of the very crucial parts of everyday life i think from a very young age that sort of we tried to push that stuff out maybe it was also because you know as you grow up kids into teenagers and then 
the young adults, you're always going to rebel about stuff, especially stuff that you're told you have to do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that was, you know, how uh, we we viewed it. So having said that, both my father and my mother's side, big families, really, really big families. And it was sort of understood without actually putting into words that there was this sense of superiority from my dad's families that they were somehow better than everyone else in the way they spoke or how they treated people or things like that. So we just thought that's normal. And on my mother's side, again, a very, very big family, but they were more sort of humble, came from, they there were different families lived that lived in different parts of where we come from. But we were in a city, like a metro, where we had more facilities. So if I wanted internet, I had internet. Mm-hmm. But that's not true for all parts of, you know, like any anywhere else. So we had families that would visit us who were, let's call them less fortunate than us. So that's always been, so we've seen people coming in and out, visiting us from different sort of statuses and backgrounds. So that's the background to the story. Um, I'll go into the incident itself. I think this sort of happened February 2007. That's the time frame. And my mom, she's again, as I said, very uh, religious. So she would start her day with doing her prayers and going about a certain routine that she had. And when she was doing some of this stuff, she sort of had a, had a slight fall. So she, she tripped and she was walking to the front door and fell. And suddenly, you know, um, she she sort of, it was like she fainted a little bit. It was a real small stumble, but it didn't seem like, you know, it was a huge fall. So we sort of helped her up and she complained of some pain in her, in the back of her, you know, uh, the spine uh, area. Mm-hmm. She recovered and then she went about her business. And after a couple of days in March sort of time, this happened again very early in the morning. Uh, I think both my sister and I were in bed sleeping. I think my dad was away. He must have gone for a run or a jog. We heard a scream and it was my mom. She had just, you know, come out of the bathroom and fell over. And this time she just couldn't get up. It's like she was immobile. She couldn't move her legs or, and she was in excruciating pain. So both my sister and I, you know, obviously we ch- because of the scream, we jumped out of the bed and went down to see and tried to help her up. Seeing that she was not able to move, we sort of gave her a couple of minutes, all shocked. I think my mom was more shocked than all of us that oh, it shouldn't be. Why, why can't I move? Right. Yeah. So it was very, very unusual. And after a few minutes, we sort of, you know, tried to make her as comfortable as possible, got her onto the bed, gave her some water, and there was nothing much to do other than wait for my dad to come back. So either we could take her to the hospital or figure a way out. And uh, when he returned, he again was very surprised that she, she, she was really, you know, she was complaining of a real bad pain in her spine again. So we just sort of let her rest and when it was I think it was because it was almost uh, you know it's like 6 a.m or something we had to wait for the hospitals to open up we 
we have 24 hours any but i don't you know we don't have access to like a, a good doctor until it's sort of business hours we can okay. go and see a regular doctor but i think my dad wanted to he also had a good contact within one of the hospitals who was like an ortho surgeon so you sort of you know can talk to them directly and say hey should i bring her in for um, x rays or something like that so we did that and she couldn't uh, move so we didn't want to take her to the hospital so the doctor very kindly came to our house just for an initial checkup he said okay uh, i mean i can't see like any obvious signs of injury let's just have a x-ray and some scans done and let's rule out some of the obvious things that come to mind mm-hmm. uh, and he gave us some painkillers which sort of helped i think initially so this uh, you know the whole x-ray and trying to figure out what was going on with her took a couple of weeks because he, they couldn't find anything wrong with her like nothing jumped out to say oh yeah she's broken a bone here or there's a dislocation or anything of that sort it was yeah it, there was no answer so it it made us even more sort of like perplexed what's going on here and in all this time she's immobile she can't move no yeah and she's very limited because of the painkillers she could still you know she could probably just with help get up go to the bathroom okay and, but definitely no walking around or you know just being independent like she used to be mm-hmm. and even to sit up and have a food i remember uh, i don't know how long this lasted but i remember feeding her you know just trying to help her to sit up and then feed her right. because she couldn't do it herself so it it was pretty i think the pain was pretty bad mm-hmm. So yeah, a couple of weeks left, you know, we can't we can't go on this way. We sort of have to find a way. And being the religious sort of people my parents were, they obviously were going to all sorts of priests and they're already like praying and say, what can we do? Which god can we go and, you know, offer some offerings so that, you know, we get the grace and get the positivity and stuff like that they were already my my dad was already doing all of that mm-hmm. and also my relatives because everyone sort of knew now that she she sort of had some health issues so this is what happened in sort of march 2007 but because this went on for a long time both my sister and i now we were very close but we were not very close with our parents you know and again we grew up under extreme uh, sort of scrutiny and judgment of the society mm-hmm. or oh, your girls and you know you should be this way that way we both were not bothered of, about any of that so it was in our nature to sort of do our own thing without involving my parents so we started to say hey you know i know dad and mom are trying to do whatever they can to figure this out but what do you think is going on so my sister and i used to spend every day just talking about what does this mean and it's not nothing's helping the medical stuff is not helping priests are not helping and during this whole time i think we had some help from our immediate like my mom's sister's household to come over and cook for us or stay with us and give us that support mm-hmm. um and because some of these people grew up in really rural parts of where we lived they had more exposure to the stuff that people kind of get into in these rural parts 
Um, so I'm not, I'm being very vague because I myself don't know a lot about it. So, you know, things like, oh, well, there is this deity in this village who very specifically can help, you know, if you worship this deity, she will give you loads of money. Okay. So people would go and do that. And then there was another part where there is this one God where you go and offer prayer and they would help you with all your medical issues. Mm-hmm. So they had some ideas like this. And one of the ideas that came up was, hey, I think someone's cast like a bad spell on your mom. That was one of the ideas that somebody threw at you know, my, my dad and us when we were just sitting and immediately we thought, okay, that could be a possibility because we're not seeing any obvious signs of any medical reason for this to happen. So, again, this revelation or, you know, how we went about thinking a bit more deeper about this did not happen overnight. It took a couple of days and weeks. So we started to, my sister and I especially, we started to think, okay, who could have done this if we had to narrow it down? Who could have done it and why? And it did seem possible that some of my mom's, you know, far relatives could have, they they have reason to maybe be jealous of her. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, may feel like, okay, why do these people get everything and we have to suffer every day? Things like that. You know, general human nature. Yeah. So we narrowed down to one family. And we thought, okay, when were they last in our house? And... You know, let's look at that uh, specific time frame and see what could have, you know, happened or have we missed something. So I'm going to pause there and see if you have questions because I'm now going to detract and go into a bit of what happened before my mom's fall and a little bit about what happened after. Well, just to recap, she had all the medical tests and there wasn't a medical reason, in other words. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I think I'm just... I'm enthralled. I, I, I want to hear yeah. the rest. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like I said, this, you know, the whole uh, incident and it started from March onwards and it had obviously continued for a couple of weeks, right? So, the house we were living in and where the fall took place, we had moved into that house only sort of in a month or two ago. Okay. And it was sort of a dream house for all of us. We had found this perfect house all of us had individual rooms which was a luxury so i mean we were all thrilled to say the least you know when we move into a new house in in most indian culturally we have to sort of do a housewarming ritual Mm -hmm. now it can be as small as just the family that's going to live there will perform some sort of we call it puja. Puja is worship. Okay. Or we'll, you know, we'll get a priest and bless the house in the Hindu tradition or whichever religion you follow. Mm-hmm. But it, it can also be a really big gathering of people to do this sort of uh, housewarming uh, ceremony. So ours was a huge affair uh, because it was also my dad showing off sort of, you know, uh, not so blatantly, but generally just telling people that, you know, this is our new house, please come and wish us well and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we had some priests who were 
doing that ceremony for us. My dad had invited all his work colleagues. And just to add here, my dad was, he worked for the state government. So it was sort of a status symbol as well. So there was a lot of respect because of his work background. So he had his work colleagues there. He had both my mom and dad's relatives, my cousins, all of them. And during this housewarming ceremony, it's usually a very sort of dignified and serious affair. So, you know, people sort of sit and just watch and pray. Suddenly there was this some commotion in a small corner of where the ceremony was going on. And it was my mom's second cousin. So this is the family, you know, my sister and I had thought of. She seemed like she was going into some sort of trance and she was speaking things that I, we as kids couldn't understand and the adults around her were like shocked. They're like, what is she doing? Is this really happening? And it felt like everybody sort of acknowledged what was happening but didn't want to like give the attention because they wanted to go back to the ceremony and so some people came and you know, ushered her away and took her to another room. We didn't understand what was going on. And somehow the ceremony, everything took place after a small halt on things. And mm -hmm. none of my immediate relatives and my parents looked pleased. They, they were not happy with what had happened, but we didn't understand it. So later on that day, you know, we were told that, again, she lives in a small village with her family. And she had this reputation of being a healer, a spiritual healer. And she would have people sort of visit her home on a weekly basis, especially Fridays were considered auspicious to go meet her and ask her questions. And she would become this, like a conduit, I think is the word. Okay. Where she, you know, she, some, she would talk, pass on messages, so she was getting all of this from elsewhere and she was passing on these messages to people. This bit of the spiritual stuff, my parents did not subscribe to. They didn't want to be part of it. So that's where, you know, when I said hypocritical, that's what I meant. Well, they would do certain things, but they won't, you know, indulge or believe or even acknowledge certain things. Mm -hmm. So this was one of those. Very confusing. So we were told that this is what she was doing when the ceremony was going on. It looked like she became that conduit and she was going into this trance and getting these messages. And she was trying to share that with everybody, but obviously she wasn't given the time of the day. Right. And we were told that my parents were extremely embarrassed by what had happened, especially because my dad's work colleagues were there and he didn't want them to think oh, you know, these guys believe in stuff like this. Mm -hmm. He's in such a big post and so backward. So those kind of, uh, you know, perceptions, I think he was really embarrassed and didn't want to acknowledge it. That's what happened during the housewarming. So my sister and I thought, okay, that's a good reason, right, for this lady to be actually annoyed and angry with my parents, that you invited her as a guest but then didn't show her maybe the respect that she wanted. And also was she was used to from her own village. Right. She just was made to feel like, 
what are you doing? Just, you know, go away in the corner and do whatever you want to do, but don't cause this embarrassment. That was a really good reason, we thought. And we shared that with our parents and my mom immediately said, yes, that makes sense. These things happen in India. So when, you know, you do things like this, people will go away and find someone who can help put a spell on you or say, you know, bad things should happen to this family because this is what they did to me. She said, yeah, this is definitely something that we should explore. And so we all sat down together as a family and said, okay, let's look at what happened after that housewarming because she had been to our house on one weekend with the entire family. She came unannounced, which seemed unusual. Mm-hmm. Because especially after that incident, my parents did not reach out to them and we were not sort of of on a friendly talking terms. So when she landed up unannounced on a Friday evening with her sort of son, daughter-in-law, her grandkids and said, hey, we are here. We just want to spend the day here because we need advice. This is what she's telling my dad. We want your help and advice so my son can get a job and, you know, because you're already you guys are doing well so could you help us so when you come with that sort of approach obviously my dad can't turn them away because they have traveled and come all the way to the city sure yeah although he was not pleased he said sure let's look at it please stay overnight and you can go on sunday or this weekend so they stayed none of us were happy about that but they stayed that weekend, we put them up in a guest bedroom. It was the topmost floor of our house, and it was sort of away from the rest of the bedrooms. So they were in that room, the whole family. I think there were four of them. They stayed and they left on Sunday. All fine. Nothing else happened. Then we thought, okay, we should go check out the room they stayed in. Because if there is a spell... There's got to be something in this house. They would have left something. Usually that's how things work. Mm -hmm. That's what my mom said. We said, okay, then that's our first job. So my sister, me, and one of our um, relatives who had sort of become the carer in the house now, he was helping us with the cooking and helping take care of my mom. All three of us started to sort of go through the room upside down you know we looked at all the cabinets the nooks and corners of the cupboard and what do you know in the topmost cabinet where you know we don't usually you use it's like a storage unit Mm -hmm. we find a small sort of a cloth tied up like a small bundle immediately you know the caretaker he knew what it was because i i they sort of have an idea. Uh, even though my sister and I have no exposure to this, people who have grown up and lived in villages have heard about it or at least, you know, have some, a bit more knowledge than we do. Yeah. And he was much older. So he said, okay, we won't touch that. Don't touch that. And he went down, got a broom and a dustpan. And he sort of slowly took that bundle onto um, the dustpan And he said he was going to open it, but his logic, we said, when you say we shouldn't touch it, why would you touch it? And his logic was, 
I would prefer that the immediate your family, so your dad, you guys don't touch it. I'm going to open it and see. Because the spell is focused on certain members of the family or the family, he sort of took that risk and opened it, thinking it is not for him, so he should be fairly okay. Mm-hmm. And he opened the bundle and we found random pieces of stuff that was so weird. So there was a small peacock feather, just one strand of it. There was a black cloth which seemed to have been cut from another garment. Later on, we realized that was a piece of my mom's clothing. Wow. There was a small ball of hair which seemed like my mom's hair. And there were other bits and pieces. I can't remember those very much, but the one other piece that was seemed more important than the rest of it was a small piece of paper with loads of dates on it. And the dates started somewhere, I think, in March. I can't now, from my memories, say whether we tried to match those dates to my mom's fall or any other incident. Maybe today, if I you know, went through this, I would have that, I guess, sense to go into a bit more deeper but I can't for the life of me remember whether we did that Mm -hmm. but what I do remember was it the the last date on that paper was some date in April and most of these dates seem to be dates of either a new moon or a full moon Hmm. and at that point, we also realized that the day that she landed in our house unannounced with her family was a new moon day. So obviously that had some relevance to what she was doing. Yeah. And I think later on we realized why this, you know, family friend or caretaker had opened it because I think it was necessary for him to, you know, be able to translate what he had seen later on to a religious priest who was going to help us remove the spell. Okay. So which is why he had to open and see what was in it. We didn't know that as kids. But anyway, the next thing that he did was at the time that we found this, it was my mom obviously sleeping downstairs in a bedroom. And at that point, we had a, a dog who was extremely loyal. He was a Dalmatian and he wouldn't leave my mom's side. He was throughout, you know, wherever she was sleeping, he would always just lie down uh, by feet. Actually, that was very weird because he was my dad's biggest fan. If my (laughs) dad was around, he wouldn't leave my dad's side. But throughout this time, you know, he sort of kept my mom company. It was almost as if he was protecting her or he thought he needed to be there with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, she was sleeping downstairs. The dog was there. The three of us sort of very discreetly got this package down. Uh, I stayed back in the house with my mom. This was evening time. So I stayed back and um, the caretaker and my sister, uh, he said, we have to burn this outside the house. That's usually uh, what we are, you know, we tend to do with things like this. We Mm -hmm. can't keep this and it needs to be burned somewhere far away from the house. So my sister and he, you know, took some uh, matchsticks and went away, I think down the road. I for sure know they did not do it immediately outside the house. They walked a couple of maybe blocks away in a field somewhere. That's as much as I know. 
so they they were gone for let's say 15 to 20 minutes i was obviously by myself with my mom and the dog and i was doing something in the kitchen suddenly i had this this really weird smell of hair burning wow i'm like what is that and by this point i'm freaked out right as it is the whole finding that package and seeing all this random stuff in that sure with my, i was I'm like, what is going on? And when I smelled that, I was like, okay, I want these people to come back now. I don't want to be myself. (laughs) I was really freaking out. But anyway, they came back and I said, why did you burn it like so close to the house? I could smell the hair. So they're like, what are you talking about? We walked like two or three blocks down the road. What do you mean you smelled the hair? And they sort of, you know, it was a moment of, okay, it is real so that's how it sort of you know it's like yeah we took 20 30 seconds to just pause and say okay whatever it is we need to now sort of get my dad up to speed and also find someone who knows a bit more about this and what can we do to remove this spell What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After that, we started to notice in retrospect, before I jump to the final part of the story, the caretaker was living in our house, obviously, for a couple of weeks, helping us. So he, this the evening when we were, you know, waiting for my dad to come back so we could bring him up to speed. This is what we are discussing, the three of us. So that's my sister, me and this caretaker, because my mom was sleeping. He said, you know what, I sort of felt a couple of days ago when I was sleeping, he was in the room that they were in. Mm. So he was sleeping there all this time. He said, I felt like someone was sleeping in the room with me, not necessarily next to me, but in the room because I could, I felt the breathing. And he assumed that 
maybe one of us or my dad or somebody i said why would you think that why would we come and sleep in that room we all have our own rooms I said i don't know it was really early in the morning and i was sleepy so i knew i felt it but i just went back to sleep so okay that is weird and you're not sleeping in that room <laughs> <laughs> that's it we have to until this you know we sort of clean this whole room and bless it you nobody is sleeping there that's what he felt then i remembered i had had a really strange dream about a couple of weeks ago but during this sort of period i remembered that i had felt like there was somebody standing you know behind my head but it was it was like a, a, i had this vision of a black idol with a red sort of i don't know if you're familiar with the word bindi or kumkum in indian terms those are that's usually la- girls or ladies put it on their forehead yes yeah right so it, it can be a decoration but it has a lot of meaning when you go into the hindu worship or rituals or ceremonies most of the temples you will notice all of the god on the forehead they'll have that red sort of kumkum mm-hmm. so in my vision i saw that this black idol had this red kumkum smeared not not in in a nice way you know put on the forehead but actually smeared on the forehead and i said that is i you know i saw this vision and usually that idol is if you look up on google kali or kali she is mm-hmm. the the you know the hindu goddess she is the destructor of evil and things like that so one of the versions of her idol that people worship to looks somewhat like that so i'm like yeah i saw that in my dream and it was so weird so all of us has you know we've had different strange experiences but never really tied it all to this but anyhow it seemed to make sense that you know something was going on in the house my dad returned we told him he couldn't believe it because obviously he was you know for a minute very dismissive about it but then understood when we told him all of these other things so after that it was a matter of us going to our you know the priest and talking to them ultimately we did do a ceremony a blessing of sorts but the strangest bit is it was not the house that needed the blessing so none of the cleansing or the the ritual that we had to do to remove the spell was done in the house it was done outside the house but it was done along with my mum and i remember it was a long sort of ceremony in in one of these priests um i don't think it was a house but some sort of not even a temple but some location where they had loads of different priests joined together they were chanting and my mom was there then they gave us um, some you know something to take back and put it on the front door uh, of our house so that nothing you know none of the evil stuff can enter or specifically to do with spells mm-hmm. and after that it sort of very naturally went back to being normal my mom recovered she was as good as new and we sort of all forgot all, all about this but definitely kept a safe distance from you know some of these 
relatives. I think also we made sure that knowingly or unknowingly, you you probably should not try and annoy people or you know make them feel any less um, because these things happen in India. They'll cast a spell and then the whole family suffers. Mm. So yeah, that's what happened in my house. Wow. Yep. So your mom is walking again and everything? Yep. She's perfectly fine now. She's, uh, you know, age-related stuff, but nothing to do with what happened in 2007. Right. Perfectly well. Did you ever see this relative that was in question? Was it your mom's cousin? Yep. She was my mom. Did you ever see her again? No, I think we saw her in some, you know, common family weddings or ceremonies. And we made sure to smile at her and, you know, exchange just regular stuff. But no, I don't think we ever engaged directly either going to her house or she coming to our house. But we were also told by the priests, you know, that did the whole cleansing thing, that whoever's cast the spell will know that now it's broken. And one of the things... Again, this is all, I have no first-hand experience or I haven't read much about this. But apparently when, you know, somebody casts a spell, it obviously will have an impact on the person that you're casting the spell on, but will also potentially come back and bite you mm. in your backside. So he did warn us that may, this this lady, whoever's done this, she will know that it's broken, but it'll also go back now and impact her family because it has to go somewhere. From other people, we know that they did not have a great life. Mm. Um, in general, they were not doing very well. But after that, it was a constant decline. I know her son passed away prematurely, not immediately, but you know, a couple of years later. I don't think she herself was doing very well health-wise. So I don't know whether it's directly because of this or because of all of the stuff that she was involved in. Right. The idea that a now you said this this woman was kind of people would come to her for healing and and mm. for you know spiritual advice etc. This is here as well in powwow. I think it's it's in right. se- in several cultures. But the idea was that people were very suspicious of these healers because right. the, the idea was basically if you can heal, you can also do the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it blows my mind. Now, because you know, I've I've been listening to again. I'm not I'm not religious at all, but I am spiritual. So when I hear about stories, not necessarily you know voodoo or black magic or whatever that is, but in general stuff that does not make sense in your real sort of setup of your everyday life, it just blows my mind. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, this is the waters I swim in, you know. Weekly, it's true. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. And that is one of the reasons I've stuck to some of these shows, Tim. Although, you know, this experience came back to me because I've been hearing and listening to different shows that not necessarily focus on, or let's say, focuses a bit more on being open and accepting that there are so many things in the world that we can't really put a name to it's just experiences at the end of the day yeah so yeah it all i've stuck to some of these shows because i I can sort of 
understand to an extent what it means. It, to me, there, there's so much in common between mm. between the, the folk practices of different cultures that like what you're explaining again from yeah. from the healer that can also do damage from the breaking of the curse or the or the mm-hmm. that goes back and then the person in powwow that's a very common thing uh it it'll right. it'll supposedly it's you know it puts it back on them and these are things that you know it's just amazing to me incredibly interesting that that there are certain concepts that just seem baked in across cultures mm. uh, that, that we just share this common idea in so many of these things in your initial email or message you said that this affected you and your sister differently yes okay so i did speak to her just to make sure i got all of her version correctly and thankfully you know both my sister and i i think we've been very interested in sort of this whole paranormal even now we are the biggest horror movie buffs we'll watch <laughs> anything and everything and we have given ourselves the status of being the like the know it all of the we'll label it this is a great horror movie versus this is the shit movie <laughs> <laughs> we have and we bond over things like that so we at that time when all of this happened a couple of years after that we sort of documented this experience on a online forum for i think it was some something to do with ghost stories and stuff so that's how i found most of my script for today from that because i'm thank god we had written it up because my memory i am sure i would have lost most of these details mm-hmm. so she had documented her experience on there as well so which is how um, i can go into it a little bit so remember i told you we were all experiencing different things in the house or outside the house our own personal experiences during this period i think one late night our dog he was called bruno he's obviously passed on and he wanted to be let out it's very very unusual he was the best dog in the world so it was strange that he was whining to be let out and nobody really heard my dad was asleep my mom obviously was on painkillers and so my sister and i woke up and very quietly opened the front door for him and let him out and he was such a good job, dog that we never we didn't really leash him if he opened the gate he would go out find a small spot did his business we would clean it up and then that's it mm-hmm. so same we you know we just because it was late night both of us went out together to the gate because we were very scared obviously both of us and we let him out he ran down the street to a bush then suddenly i see my sister freaking out She's like oh god we have to go in we i i can see this lady there and then i'm like what are you talking about and i looked i i saw a very unusually tall lady like marching like she was going somewhere i saw that and in my mind i saw she was in a sari which is a indian sort of you know traditional mm-hmm. wear and she had really short hair i mentioned this because in india it's really not again maybe now because modern times and all of that stuff but this lady didn't obviously you know she had very short hair which meant she had gone well if ladies have very short hair it's you know when they go to these temples and in certain temples you 
make your hair as an offering. So you shave your head. Okay. And when it grows back, you know, it's like this stubble, but short hair. That's how it seemed to me. I said, okay, she's going. Why are you freaking out? And then she just wouldn't speak. And of the two of us, she is the scaredy cat. And she will agree to it as well. So she was, <laughs> he just wanted to run back. And I didn't want to leave our dog outside. And he was taking his time. And as, you know, he finished his stuff and we couldn't even get out of the gate to clean anything. We just wanted to go back in. She said, okay, oh my God, she's coming our way. She's coming our way. I couldn't see anything. And then thankfully Bruno came back and we went inside. And when she was a bit calm, I said, what were you going on about? That lady was walking and yes, I saw her. She said, did you not see that lady? She was so unusual. And she had this sort of flowing sari and then she came straight at us. I'm like, no, I didn't see that. I saw her walking, but I didn't see her coming our way. But she saw that this lady, she was walking, but then she suddenly turned and she was coming at us. So I don't know whether that is relevant or it happened right. because but she saw something completely different from what I saw yeah and in my memory that lady was wearing a green sari she was not wearing a flowy sort of light colored or white colored sari but that's what my sister saw huh. yeah and in what I saw the sari was neatly tied it was almost tucked in the right places that, you know, she could walk, take those long strides. And she was walking pretty fast. But that's not what my sister saw. Wow. So, yeah. So that is, that again was very strange to hear. And that happened the, during the time your mom was paralyzed. Between, yeah, exactly. Yeah. During that period. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that's significant, but, you know, what, what it means exactly, I, I couldn't tell you, but it's, yeah. it feels significant. Exactly. And I think all of these different experiences, what convinced my dad to take this stuff seriously, because he was the only one in the house who hadn't experienced or if he had, he wasn't sharing it with any of us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so when we started to talk about all of this and told him that this is serious and this is what's happening to different people in the house, he had to sort of take charge and find a way. Again, I think it comes down to if you want to remove it from your house, it needs to be a collective effort and your spirit together has to be in it. Or, you know, if one person is saying, oh, you know, I'm not in it 100%, but the rest of them are, I don't think it would have worked. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that, you know, we were sort of, we all came together for my mom and because she was the one who was suffering. Yeah. And who knows what would have happened on that last date that was on that slip of paper in April. Right. Yes. Yeah, so you it, never, you know, you found the package before yeah. that date. Yep. Yeah. It was definitely before that, but she was getting bad, right? She wasn't improving. Mm -hmm. So what was supposed to happen in April? Was it supposed to get really bad? So just thinking about that makes us very nervous. Yeah. Yeah. What a string. I mean, you know, again, this it's very similar to you know you, to the stories. Thankfully, it's never happened yeah. to me, but to yeah. the stories I've read, you know, here, very very similar. Someone will leave something behind, or right. and it's you know often 
locks of hair or or you know similar things a little little fetish they would call them you know they would make and and leave behind and about the peacock feather i told you about the Mm -hmm. you know the strand of we think it came from our house because i had bought this bunch of peacock feathers from some fair and i put it in a vase like a decoration and it was just outside of the room that this family stayed in it was in a big vase so i think it's one of those the strands from one of that peacock feather ah. that was again so strange so strange and did you were you able to identify which piece of clothing the fabric came from yes, your, of your mother we did yes we did it was from one of my mom so my mom always wears a sari Mm-hmm. and underneath the sari usually they wear a, a long petticoat we still call it a petticoat so it was one of her black petticoats it was cut in the corner it was a black color cloth so we did find that so it's the idea that your mom's cousin at some point when she was staying there had access to the, yes yeah. and it was very easy because the room that they were sleeping in it led to a balcony which was a big balcony that we used to put the washing line you know okay. all the clothes up. so mm-hmm. that's where we would dry it out mm-hmm. so it was if this petticoat was hung there to dry very easy for her to you know take a piece of it from there right yeah. so yeah it all sort of seemed yeah that's that's how this she got access to it yes and my mom's hair that should be easy again you know from her comb or somewhere if she right yeah you know so none of it seemed impossible mm-hmm. so that possibility is what makes it that much more for whatever in my right. mind right wow it's a fantastic story and <laughs> thank you for sharing it absolutely can i ask you some just general questions about you, 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 your answer is just maybe no, but uh, just course, yeah. some, some folklore ahead. questions. Did you grow up, was there folklore of creatures? You know, I'm fascinated by cryptids and Bigfoot and stuff. Is it, were there folklore of, of creatures? Um, not as far as I can think. No, I don't think so. And again, you know, because I've only, you know, yes, using these words, so it might not ring a bell for me. If something comes back to me, I'm happy to share, but immediately nothing jumps at me. Mm-hmm. So I think I would say no. What about just like ghost stories? Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Uh, again, I think I've had one isolated incident of sleep paralysis. One. And I don't know till this day whether it was a dream or it was an actual experience so i've you, had that do you mind sharing uh, yeah sure absolutely this was in 2010 and i had gotten married uh, recently in 2010 and i was in my husband's house with his parents i remember this this was during the day and i we were taking a nap on the bed And suddenly I remember waking up, but not being able to move. And I was so, like, I knew what was going on immediately. That's because we were, both my sister and I, remember the ghost stories forum uh, Uh that I referenced? During that period, we were very much active on that forum. We used to read a lot of it. We used to, you know, 
um, ask questions and get involved and connect with different members on that forum. Again, I don't know whether it's because of that, but I remember clearly in my ma- mind thinking, okay, uh, this is sleep paralysis. This is happening to me. I, I can't move. I can't move my legs. I can't move my hand. I can't. I'm trying to call out to my husband, but I can't. Mm-hmm. And I think the way I woke up was I somehow mumbled something and my husband sort of woke up and said, hey, you okay? That's what I remember. But later on that day, I thought, was that a dream? And I asked him, do you remember you nudging me and saying what's going on? And he, he just shrugged it off. He didn't know. He didn't, it didn't register in his mind as something unusual. So I keep thinking, did that happen to me really? Right. Or, I don't know. So that's one thing that comes to my mind. The other thing, long ago in 2008, I was living by myself in London in a flat. And I remember a couple of different times when I felt like there was earthquake. So my bed was sort of shaking. Mm-hmm. But we are in the UK. Earthquakes are so bloody rare. Yeah. I never ever you know, thought about it too much or anything. I remember that. I never spoke about it to anybody. So now I wonder what was it? So I don't know. It might have been something in the building. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But those things have stayed in my mind, though. So I don't know why. When you had sleep paralysis, you didn't see any entities or anything? Nope. Just... Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact that I was so conscious that it was happening and I knew what was happening. Yeah. But... When, I had never read about it. When, when it happened to me, I was it was terrifying. I, if I... I'd have known, maybe I'd have, you know, I could have understood what was going on. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it makes me wonder, did that happen to me because I had read about all of these things and it sort of, you know, I I sort of brought it upon myself or did mm-hmm. it happen and I knew because I had read some of this stuff. Right. Who knows? So, yeah, that's some, some of those experiences have happened, but nothing outlandish. Mm-hmm. Nothing as outlandish as the one with my mom. So you said you were a horror movie fan. What's your favorite horror movie? The most recent one, Hellbender. I can't call it a horror movie. Have you seen it? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I think it's related to some folk stuff. I don't know. It's maybe a Canadian movie, but yeah, it was really good. I don't like the the bloody gory yeah me either hollywoody no thanks uh but yeah i like stuff like if you watched the wind hellbender yeah i've seen the wind yeah i I liked it i thought Mm. you know you don't have to spell everything out Mm -hmm. leave it to people's imagination i'll connect it to my own experience and come up with my own horror stories right (laughs) I i love movies like that where your your mind is running wild. But I'm going to say this, and I'm sure lots of people hate this movie, but I love it. The first paranormal activity movie. Oh, I've not seen it, actually. The first one? No, I've not seen any oh of them. God. I don't. I loved it. Oh, my God. See, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is the movie. I don't think anybody can ever do this again. Allison um, does not like horror movies. 
Oh, there you go. Yeah, my husband doesn't like it either. She will not watch them with me. So I don't get to see a lot of them, but uh, here and there I do. Right. Yeah, my husband absolutely avoids it, Um, (laughs) which is why I'm watching some horror movies downstairs in our living room and he'll be upstairs listening to his heavy metal. Like, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Your heavy metal is more scary than the horror movie. I always say when I started dating Allison, she looked like Morticia Adams from the Adams family. (laughs) And I always thought, like, this is wonderful. This is someone who will watch horror movies with me. No, no. (laughs) Well, what is your favorite horror movie? I don't know if this is specifically considered a horror movie, but it's Night of the Hunter from the 1960s. Oh, I haven't seen it. I must watch. Oh, it's fantastic. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's more of a psychological, and usually I like supernatural stuff, but this is, Mm. this is more of a, just a kind of a stalker that comes into this family's life, but it's just wonderful. There's a lot of just symbolism. This has been great, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, Pratina. Thank you so much for sharing your stories for taking your time to talk with me. Absolutely. And thank you so much and talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good night. You know, Pratima mentioned this very loyal, awesome dog they had, their family dog named Bruno. Apparently Bruno didn't need 90 days Mm -hmm. to the perfect puppy. That isn't usually the case though. Often people need help with different training, especially with puppies. And the idea isn't to hammer your puppy into some kind of mold. It's to meet your puppy kind of in the middle. The perfect puppy is where you and your puppy become perfect for each other. And that's what 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy is about. Their relationship-based approach helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are available as well. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. What kinds of things can 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help me with? They can help with potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more. That's right. No matter what kind of puppy problems you have, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. I would like to thank Patrick N. for sending yet another Bigfoot statue. This might be, I don't know, they're all great, but I really like this one. <laughs> yeah. This is a big, heavy one, he sent. He said it was part of a, a Kickstarter for a, a small town monsters. I guess it's Momo. It's the Missouri monster, which is a really neat case. A lot of woo, a lot of strangeness in that case. We'll have to do a show on it someday. But it's a really cool statue, and I really like it. So thank you, Patrick. That was really cool. It just showed up at the P.O. Box. And now... Another installment of the Strange Familiars Stereo View Society. I think we're going to do the same thing for Stereo Views that people in their 30s have done for Swung Glass. I need more information. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, you take something that like people just associated with old people, and then it showed up in abundance, and then people just started collecting it again. Oh, so this is something that people are now collecting again. You're talking about what is swung glass? Swung glass are like the really tall glass, almost like tall glass vases that people collect. See, you know what? You have your finger on the pulse 
of the antiques world. I do not. I wouldn't say that that's true. <laughs> Did you see what I brought home today? <laughs> this is a really, really cool stereo view. And it's going to be a little more expensive than our other ones because the subject matter is nothing short of awesome. But it's a fortune teller. She appears to be reading cards. Ooh, let me see that. Oh, that she does. Hmm. Now, the person I purchased this from said you can see tarot cards on the table. I haven't taken your loop and looked at it yet to see if they're playing cards or tarot cards. But There'd be no reason to have, even if they were playing cards, if they're on the table like this. They're not playing a game. No, I'm pretty certain she's a fortune teller. Yeah, I would say so as well. Oh, that's a really cool image. Where's that from? Oh, it says English group series. I was going to say because the photo itself looks so British. I think it is. So we continue our run of stereo views for our Curiosity of the Week. This one of fortune tellers. So we will put this up in the show notes. There'll be an image of this. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other Curiosities of the Week. Also on Etsy, artwork, originals, and prints. We have copies of my books, Strange Familiar's t-shirts, stickers, and lots and lots of antique photographs. If you'd like these Curiosities of the Week we talk about, Allison has put up quite a few antique photographs on there in our Etsy shop as well. You can also get the Witch Cloud there. The soft cover version is out. Like I said last week, it's available on Amazon. It's available from our Etsy shop. It's available from the Stone Breath Bandcamp. You can get it from Etsy or Bandcamp with or without the download, the full audio experience that goes with it. Amazon, of course, you're just buying the book. Talk with John today. I think I'm going to be doing another variant cover for another comic coming up. I'll announce that as soon as we've inked the deal. And some appearances in the fall. Oh my goodness, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I'm starting to book my appearances this year. So far, I will be at a paranormal convention in Scranton, Pennsylvania in September. I'll announce the dates closer to the time. I will be at an oddities event at Gettysburg on October 1st. The following weekend is Albatwitch Day in Columbia. So that's what, October 8th? Yeah, 1 plus 7. So I'm starting to fill in some dates. I'm going to try to maybe do some Comic Cons, although Harrisburg Comic Con is canceled this year. So we'll see what else. But I'll let everybody know. Right now, everything's towards the end of the summer and the fall that I've booked. I may or may not be going to Strange Realities. I'm talking with Adam about that now. I don't know if they're having Zoom presentations this year. He said he'd really like me to come in person. I'm sort of trying to figure out what the rest of my schedule looks like to see if I can get down there. When any other events pop up, I'll let everybody know. But uh, like I said, so far, everything's towards the, the end of summer, towards the fall. And I'll, I'll announce specific dates and get all the details of these things closer to the time. If you know of an event and you'd like me to come and speak about Bigfoot or other paranormal topics, my schedule is fairly open. I guess that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more Stone Breath or purchase music from Stone Breath, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. You can find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com. 
and all of our patrons are invited to our Discord server. So if you're a patron and you want to be a part of that Discord server, shoot me a message on Patreon is the easiest way, and I can get you that Discord link. time inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.